0: Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Friday, March 24th. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they're important. Lindsey Graham put himself in the spotlight again during Ketaji Brown-Jackson's confirmation hearings on Wednesday. Analysis by the state newspaper showed that predominantly black zip codes see higher rates of diabetes-related amputations, including one in the Charleston area. A developer's proposal to build more than 400 apartments on Morrison Drive got soundly rejected at the city's Board of Architectural Review this week. And a look at David Beasley, a former South Carolina governor now working for the United Nations, among those sounding the alarm on the food supply impacts of the war in Ukraine. All those stories, starting now. A quick reminder that Best of Charleston voting opened Wednesday, and now Charleston is a finalist for Best Local Podcast. You can vote now at bestof.charlestoncitypaper.com. Voting runs through April 12th. Thanks again for your nominations on that. Uh, It's fun to be among a list of those finalists. Um, Historian Nick Butler's Charleston Time Machine podcast is another of the finalists. That's one of my favorite podcasts, so it's fun to be on the list alongside him there. And Holy City Center Radio is there, too. Uh, Christian from Holy City Center has been at it for a long time. And he's a, he's a Charleston staple. So thanks again to everyone who nominated best <laughs> Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson faced another round of questions from senators on Wednesday, including by us Senator Lindsey Graham, who ramped up aggressive questioning after his colleagues took a less civil approach following his Tuesday round of questions. In his round of questioning Wednesday, Graham repeatedly cut off the judge as she attempted to answer and was apparently angry. I guess that's kind of what he does at these hearings. But so is she, and since she's essentially interviewing for the job, she mostly just demurred and looked down or looked away when she was obviously frustrated. And that judges across the country impose in every case, which is substantial, substantial supervision. Any of these Judge. You think it is a bigger deterrent to take somebody who's on a computer looking at sexual images of children in the most disgusted way is to supervise their computer habits versus putting them in jail? No, Senator. I didn't say versus. That's exactly what you said. I think Jackson faced continued questions about her sentences on child pornography cases, with senators contending her sentences were not harsh enough for offenders of what everyone agrees are egregious crimes. But the particular attack of harping on child porn also raised questions from Democrats about whether Republicans are trying to rustle up support for themselves among conspiracy theorists and foment opposition for Judge Jackson. The White House last week, before these hearings, called another Senator, Josh Hawley's earlier questions about child porn sentencing, an embarrassing QAnon-signaling smear. Here's more of Graham's questioning. People who were literally mailing one, two five, ten, a hundred photos at a time. How's it being committed Could, now? Let, would she please Go ahead. Let her complete her answer? Go ahead. As a result... There, Jackson was trying to explain that sentences for these crimes were created before the internet, saying judges are just doing what Congress told them to do in the law they passed before the internet when things were sent by mail. Committee chair Dick Durbin said as much afterwards, but that was after he pretty much let Graham have free reign during his questioning. To paraphrase what CBS reporter John Dickerson said this week on Slate's Political Gabfest podcast, uh, these hearings are less about serious scrutiny of a judge's credentials and more about political posturing. So A plus for Graham on that. Democrats don't need Republican support to confirm Jackson. They control the Senate. And a few Republicans are still expected to support her as well. If you need a moment of levity from these hearings, I've dropped a video from U.S. Senator Cory Booker in the show notes at NowCharleston.com. It's a quick talk about the significance of Judge Jackson's nomination that actually made her tear up while Senator Booker was talking. But they didn't stop loving this country, even though this country didn't love them back. So, after 23 hours of questioning, the Senate Judiciary Committee will vote on Judge Jackson's nomination on April 4th. And if her nomination advances, if, as it's expected to, the final vote could hit the Senate floor by April 8th, according to Senate Democrats. I wanted to point you to a long term story from the state published late Wednesday that has some local connection here in Charleston. The state's analysis found that one zip code in Columbia has some of the highest rates of amputation related to diabetes of any dense high-population county in the South over the past five years. Columbia's 29203 zip code also has a high black and low-income population, and the diabetic residents of this one zip code are going under amputation operations at twice the rate of neighboring zip codes. These these surgeries are last resorts. They only take place when vascular disease decrease blood flow, increasing the risk of blocked arteries. But amputations are avoidable when diabetes is well-managed, the paper wrote, so the procedures are signals that some diabetic residents of these areas aren't receiving possible treatments that could prevent these last resort limb removal surgeries. Much of the area in North Columbia is a food desert. And while there are hospitals nearby, one new vascular surgeon who walked into a local hospital there in 2016 found doctors were woefully undertrained in how to prevent amputations among diabetic patients, the paper reported. So, Columbia's 29203 zip code, about 40,000 residents, recorded 9.96 amputations per 10,000 people. Closer to home here, in North Charleston's 29405 zip code, which has about 29,000 residents, that rate is even higher, 10.77 per 10,000. The state's analysis only considered zip codes higher than 39,000. Several of the counties in the Columbia area are, are pretty highly populated, larger counties. Now, these problems are systemic and complicated and long-term, so I can't say exactly why the rates are so high in the North Charleston zip code 29405. That's where I live too, by the way. But some of the racial disparities similar to those described in Columbia are definitely at play here in North Charleston. The story is worth a look. You can find the link at nowcharleston.com. The Charleston Board of Architectural Review has rejected a massive new apartment building, proposed to be built on Morrison Drive in place of the International Longshoremen's Association Hall. The developer, a division of one of the largest builders in the nation, wanted to build a 442-unit development at 1142 Morrison Drive, but members of the Board of Architectural Review called it a boring building and monotonous, according to the posting Courier. Preservation groups also panned the design, calling it wildly out of place. The building site there on Morrison is kind of an interesting one. It's the big brick building across from the old tattooed moose. You probably see it every time you drive by. It's not a super exciting building, but it was designed by a Charleston native architect named Harvey Gant. Gant grew up in Charleston and was among the young Burke High School students arrested in 1960 after protesting at the Crest lunch counter on King Street. He went on to be the first black student ever admitted to a state college in South Carolina. He went to Clemson. And after training to become an architect, he eventually ran for mayor of Charlotte and served one term in the mid 80s. Gann also ran for U.S. Senate twice against Jesse Helms, but lost. It was in one of those campaigns when one of the most infamous racist political TV ads ever ran in support of Jesse Helms. It's called the White Hands ad. You can find a link to it in the show notes at notcharlson.com. So the building on Morrison has an interesting pedigree, but it's only 20 years old, so the city can't use its historic preservation ordinance to help save it, and the developer is planning to tear it down. But now they have to go back to the drawing board, hopefully, and come back with a new plan for more apartments on Morrison Drive. I got one person for you to keep an eye on this week. David Beasley, the former South Carolina governor, is among the most prominent world leaders sounding the alarm on the global impact of the war in Ukraine on the world's food supply. Here he is on PBS NewsHour. About 50% of our wheat and grain from inside Ukraine. Ukraine alone grows enough food to feed 400 million people on planet Earth. Beasley is the head of the United Nations World Food Program, but he has a long history of South Carolina politics. Okay, let's set the stage with a banger from Beasley's 1995 uh, inauguration. Oh, yeah. Some exemplary 1990s, vaguely Christian soft rock. All right. First elected to the South Carolina State House at the age of 20, Beasley ended up serving one term as governor, 1995 to 1999. He was a former Democrat who switched parties and won the governorship as a Republican. But Beasley ran into a buzzsaw of issues during his one term in office. Opposition to video poker and support for removing the Confederate flag from the state house were among the issues that led to Beasley's loss in 1998 to Jim Hodges, the state's last Democratic governor. Oh, it's time for putting families first. Mm. So nice. But one thing about Beasley's term can I just put in a plug for Beasley's 1996 State of the State address? Stay with me. It took place at the Koger Center in Greenville because the State House was under renovation, but most interestingly, it featured an on-stage demo of live streaming classroom technology. Good evening, Ms. Gregg. Good evening, Governor, and welcome to Blackville Hoda High School. There was a big beige computer on stage and Governor Beasley emailed with kids live in a computer lab on the other end during the demo. Keith Hare and Ebony Rivera. And Governor, if you would check your email, you will see that they have sent you a message. Keith and Ebony, thank you. Let me check my email. I do have email, and this is live. It was like a a Steve Jobs Apple keynote, but way less exciting, and before those even existed. Anyway, need more of that. The the state-of-the-state addresses are bad. They're bad. And if I can do it, any child in South Carolina can do it. (laughs) So, fast forward to 2017, when UN Ambassador Nikki Haley nominated Beasley to head up the World Food Program which is one of the world's largest, if not the largest, humanitarian group focused on hunger and food assistance. Since then, Beasley has worked from Rome, where the World Food Program is headquartered. In 2020, the World Food Program won the Nobel Peace Prize, with Beasley accepting the award himself on behalf of the group. And just from looking at his Twitter feed, if you don't follow him, he keeps a pretty exhausting global travel schedule too. In late February, he was in Yemen, late February. Then he went to Ukraine, then Poland, then back to the U.S., then back to Ukraine. And he's gotten he's gotten pretty good at Twitter, actually, as a politician. He's He's got the selfie video thing down, even if it's just to show how dire global food problems are, especially in areas of conflict. But this week, Beasley has been making the rounds uh, talking about the impact of agriculture grinding to a halt in Ukraine, which produces a significant portion of the world's wheat and grain, Along with fertilizer that boosts crop growth worldwide. Beasley's term at the World Food Program was supposed to end this year, like in the next few months. But with the Ukraine conflict, he's been reportedly extended one more year. Here's Beasley talking to Al Jazeera. If we don't end this war and get their economy going again so they're planting and harvesting, we're going to have a global supply problem later this year. This will be catastrophe on top of catastrophe. If we don't Act now, strategically and quickly. It's going to be hell on earth. That's all I've got for you today. If you have feedback for the show, please, please, please send me a voicemail or text me. Like right now. Pick up your phone. 843-474-1319. Or email me. Sam at n-o-w-c-h-s.com. You can also rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. That's a big help. And as always, you can check nowcharleston.com for links and notes from today's show. Don't forget to vote. Bestof.charlestoncitypaper.com. And to be sure you're not missing anything, follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash nowcharleston and Instagram.com slash nowcharleston. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back Monday with the next Now Charleston.